Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games. You can find out more at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. To Eternal Dirtles, I'm your host Zach Clark, and with me, as always, is Nathan Gullia. Nate, say hell, hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. It's good and to be back. It's good to have you back. And we've got Phil back in this week as well. Phil, what's going on? Oh man, they kept me around, everybody. Yeah, we're gonna be like, pardon my take. Now we're gonna have a third, a third yeah. host. Yeah, this I'm, is just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be the the hot take guy. <laughs> you hot take guy? Yeah, yeah, Phil. Bill could be like, uh, we'll call you MTG the source commenter or something. Yeah, so here's my hot take. Pirate Stompy's real. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's real. You're talking to, you're talking to the originator of Pirate Stompy, the actual person who actually... One of Counterbalance. Oh, was it? No, the one we were trying to back, uh, like, reverse engineer it. I made up a deck that someone played and accidentally got out there as, like, the list before Bob's article went up. So I was, like, trying to tamp down the, uh, the hype because we went, like, four and one in a league with it or something <laughs> oh yeah that's dope that was the that was the original rumor that went around where everybody all of a sudden were picking up their Rashad and cut purses at a bajillion dollars a piece yeah yeah it was one of the transformational show and tell sideboard that went nowhere um but i think we should you guys should start out by talking a little bit about your grudge match from saturday <laughs> yeah so like you know phil Shows up, fills in for me, and then like five days later, you guys are staring each other down, right? I mean, what I tournament was it? I hadn't seen Phil probably for about a year up until like a couple weeks ago at the Team Trios event, and then, and then, of course, ran into him in a in a tournament at the at the local, basically like uh, what two weeks later. Yeah, and the thing is too is that that match was fun because the last time we actually played each other in a sanctioned event was like a modern GP where we both were playing Storm oh, back yeah. when Power Ascension was around, <laughs> and you handily crushed me. Yeah, well, you were on Epic Experiment. I don't know what that was all about. I mean, That's sometimes I, I really wanted to make it work so I could call out the Epic Storm, Yeah. and it actually <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, I, I recall that. That was Richmond. I recall that GP quite well because uh, I, I, just, I won every match that wasn't Splinter Twin, but most of my matches were against Splinter Twin. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, yeah. And I also had like nightmares for like a week from playing storm that much in one day. Yo, that deck was great though. Oh yeah. I mean, modern storm was, was super fun. It was just like a, a lot of, of dirtling around with yourself before you could like win. It still is that way, but, uh, it, it was just, it, it, you know, it took a little bit of time to go off and your opponent just like sat there and watched you like semi patiently. Um, but we should talk about the uh, we should talk about the tournament. Uh, so we both yes. went to the Geekery for a uh, Legacy 1K, um, and I, I ended up facing literally just local celebrities the entire day. I went from Roland Chang to Tim, uh, right on to Phil, and then ended with Dustin. But uh, let's talk about round three, Phil. Yeah. So the thing about round three was we played the classic matchup these days of Miracles versus Checkpile. Yeah. Uh, and the matchup was more or less as you would expect, where we just can't trip each other to death. Uh, 
But then I actually, I don't know if, were you doing anything special in your list? Like, were you playing stock or did you, uh, well, that Kyrgios was the, was the big difference. Uh, right on one of Nate's buddies had been playing Kyrgios for a while. And I was like, Ooh, that's super spicy. So Kyrgios and a plateau. Oh, that's right. I I remember the plateau and being like, what was that for? And then you were like, no, it's actually pretty good. Um, Karanos crushed me in that, what, the second game? That was the first game. The first game was was a really interesting, uh, you know, screw beats uh, flood situation where I only had one land for the first, like, five turns, and then it just started turning around for me. Oh, yeah, that game definitely showed the power of predict because you, like, predicted into predict, and it was magical. Yeah, I I immediately stopped worrying about drawing lands and just started, like, smashing things down onto the board. Eventually, I had out, like a Jace, a Kyrgios, and a Counterbalance, and it was kind of, uh, you know, I had uh, terminused everything that you had off of the board at some point, and, and it, it pretty much was over. over for yeah. you, you just scooped at some point. Yeah, I think I, once you had a, once you untapped with Jace, I was pretty much out of it, and then once you played a Kyrgios, I was like, all right, I think we're done. Yeah. Um, and then the interesting thing, too, that I got to... Hold on a second. Yeah. Did you 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 didn't get Karanos activated, right? Jace, Karanos, Counterbalance. You still need one more blue, right? I did. I did need one more blue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been so sick. <laughs> get that Snapcaster Mage in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I have attacked with Karanos uh, with this deck uh, once or twice. Yo, you gotta be you gotta be careful about that though. I'll tell you, I have played uh, Karanos in Miracles before, and I've gotten him live. Uh, I did it in the mirror, and it got Swords to Puzzles. Oh, yeah, no, never in the mirror. Yeah, always always, uh, always try not to get him activated in the mirror. You will yeah. lose yeah, Phil, Phil pops up with that one of Dismember. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> good job. <laughs> gotcha. No, I mean, I, I am priced into playing an Edict in the main, so that would have been my only way to actually have gotten rid of him. But, I mean, him just bolting me every turn is also pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty solid. And then uh, games two and three... Uh, Remind me if my memory is wrong, but it was pretty much just like eventually a Leo stuck on the table and then kind of ended the game more or less. Yeah, the first time I got the Leo, I, I killed the Leo, but I had to like, you know, get it off the board. So you drew a card for it. And then uh, I, I think the way it worked is you cited out everything that wasn't a two for one. Like you actually yeah. ran out of things to side out against me because you were looking to put in more two for ones, right? Yeah, I mean, I found that. Anytime I'm playing one of those grindy matchups, whether it's with Pile, whether it's against Miracles or against a Pile Mirror, anything like that, the first thing I take out of my deck is always the discard, like the one-for-one discard, mm-hmm. like any thought teasers or anything like that. Uh, just because anytime somebody does that to me, I feel like I'm so far ahead because a single two-for-one just puts me so far ahead of wherever they were. Yeah. Uh, so I always immediately take all that stuff out and just play like the super grindy plan. Uh, my particular check pile though was a little bit better situated against miracles because I'm I play the third Leo or the third Leo rather yeah uh, just because honestly I think check pile is like not a very good deck but Leo <laughs> is an incredibly powerful card uh, so I found o- over time the more I played the deck I, the more I found myself just pondering trying to find a Leo and then it was like very clearly representative in our match where a Leo stuck on the table, and then all of a sudden you were, your deck had so many fewer outs because cantrips are turned off, Jace is turned off. Uh, you either have to give me a card off a of source to plowshares or somehow like flip a search for Ezkanta and start spending mana to get around Leo's can't draw ability. Yeah, it was it was tough. Um, if anything, I was just like, I think the Miracles deck that you played is 
inherently more powerful in what it does. Leo is just, I think, the most powerful card in the matchup outside of Jace. I'm looking at a at a at a at a Leo or a Chuck Pile deck now. So I see one Inquisition, two Thoughtseize, right? Is that what you've got? So I actually play right now I play three Thoughtseize, and I'll tell you why. Anybody who's playing Inquisition, I think, has to be a very specific metagame call because the first time you ever play against another like controlly blue matchup and you Inquisition them and you see a handful and then you have to pass the turn and they just slam your their Jace down that you could have taken if it was just the Thoughtseize, yeah. makes it so you'll never play Inquisition again. Yeah, yeah. I got a, I've got an Inquisition story like that. I was playing my black-red Pyromancer deck online and I'm too cheap to buy more Thoughtseizes online, so I just put Inquisitions in that I had. And I Thoughtseize turn one against Storm. His hand was like three Rituals and Empty the Warrens. And I couldn't take the Empty, so he just played two Rituals and Empty the Warrens. And then I, like, uh, Lux sacked into uh, Zell's Persecution. But Hey, dude, so at the, the end of the day, the real, the real moral of that story is play bad, get rewarded. Right, exactly. Um, but no, you're right. So, so but I'm just thinking, like, so three of these point discard spells come out. Yeah, and I you bring in these three. two blast effects, maybe a pithing needle. Because I don't well, think there's a lot of cards in the sideboard for miracles here, unless you consider like Liliana the Last Hope or Umazawa's Jite to be worth it. Flusterstorm, maybe. Lily is fine. Fluster's very good. Uh, I also boarded in a one of my hydroblasts, uh, just because uh, I know some miracles will play Blood Moon. Yeah. Get out of the board, but he also specifically showed me Kara- uh, Karanos the first game. So I That's knew right. that if I'm just holding up like a blue, like if I just hold up like a tropical island or something, he'll slam his Karanos because Flusterstorm can't snag it, and then I could try and catch him with a Hydroblast. And then it's also fine against like opposing Pyroblasts. So uh, I thought potential for Blood Moon and already knowing about Karanos was enough to board in at least one Hydroblast since I had plenty to board out. Uh, and I don't know if it was ever, was it ever relevant? The Hydroblast? I don't remember seeing it, no. Okay, yeah. I, you... I remember boarding it in, but I don't remember if it actually did anything in the game. Zach, do you have Blood Moon? I brought in two Blood Moons and did not see them. Uh, I, I really felt like after I had won, what, what I felt like in the first game was was like a really bad situation for me that Phil just kept drawing land. And I was like, oh man, looks like I'm going to be able to, like I Terminus to get his board, at, board like clear. And then basically he had a grip full of land and kept drawing land. Uh, well, I started drawing into the land that I needed and, and was basically able to start gaining card advantage on him. I, mm-hmm. I felt like after I won that game, I was favored to win the match just because I had Blood Moons, but they just I just never drew them, so uh, it, it they obviously weren't a factor. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I do think that Miracles post-board is the favored deck. Uh, I've only been playing Pile so long, but in my experience when I was playing Miracles against that matchup, I do think that like, I fully agree. I think you would be stronger coming out of game one with a win to be favored in the matchup. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if my playing a third Leo ended up being, like, just my density of Leos in the deck ended up being something that pushed me over the top. I just remember that the games, both games two and three, ended with a Leo on the table. Yeah, you netted you netted uh, at least, like, six cards off of Leo uh, from me based off of me having to, like, uh, try and sort them off the board and you countering them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, there's, a, like, the, the value of, like, two-for-ones, like, K-Command are also fairly oh, yeah. reasonable. Um, just because, like, getting to rebuy any of the uh, creatures that are dealt with outside of Swords to Plowshares can be 
fairly well suited. But it's really like the game for pile player is just stick a Leo and that's it and protect it. Yeah. Do you feel that enough of your creatures get countered in this matchup that Kolagon's command is returning creatures? So there's a, a play pattern where if you're on the side of pile, you know that just sticking and protecting a Leo is your game plan. Um, yep. So what will happen is any of the creatures like Snapcaster or Leo uh, that get pyroblasted uh, then sit in your lar- your yard mm-hmm. just ready for a K-Command. Um, I mean, K-Command is obviously not as good as a him or another Leo, but uh, being able to jam your Leo, being able to jam your Leo potentially into their Pyroblast, knowing that you're just going to be able to K-Command it back later, uh, it's almost like, I mean, it's not the same as having a Counterspell, but it's it's kind of like a counter spell because the Leo trades one for one and then you just get to two for one yeah. by getting it back. So it's yeah. just like pseudo card advantage going long because neither of you put a clock on each other. Well, yeah. I, that, that's interesting. I was just, I was just thinking I was, I was boarding out the Kolagon's commands against Swords Plowshares decks, but I guess I didn't take into account that there's Pyroblast in the matchup because I didn't have any, I didn't have any blue creatures in my deck. <laughs> So like anything that I bet didn't get countered was just getting uh sorts of shares anyway. And uh you know, I was leading more on like lingering souls in that matchup anyway. So oh, yeah. anyway, I mean, that's that's interesting point, yeah. Yeah, I I was also on a heavier K command build. I was on a three one split main and board just because Geekery's meta is fairly heavy on chalice decks. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I was just like, See something's never changed. Yeah, something's never changed, man. The card's not bad against uh, against their uh like large swath of death and taxes decks normally too. Yeah, just yeah. being able to like K Command is obviously the best card in that matchup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, when I moved like when I moved to Utah, that. I was playing a Bant deck with like a Kasali Pride Mage in it and like a Bant charm. Like because that's like destroys an artifact. <laughs> and people were like, Why do you have these cards in your deck? I was like, Well, I guess, you know, it's hard to explain. Everyone at the other, everyone in New York plays Death and Taxes or Chalice, pretty much. Is the answer Hold on, to that rem- remind me what Bant Charm does. Um, I was playing Bant at the time, and Bant Charm is uh, destroy target artifact or bottom a creature or counter target instant spell. But at the time, uh, the Chalice deck that was like on the rise the most was Eldrazi, so I needed like a way to bottom their horrifying creatures uh, that wasn't on one or to destroy their Chalice, so I could then sort the plowshares their horrifying creatures. So I was playing Bant Charm for a while. Uh, it never really worked out, but it was in my deck, and people were Sounds wondering great. what was going on. Yeah, yeah. it was okay. Um, so let's just, uh, how about this to sort of uh, close it out. Zach, uh, how, what, what did you, like, just a quick rundown of what you played against and how you finished? Yeah. So you were so, playing Miracles, and you played against... Uh, yeah, I'll give you a quick uh, one-two punch of, e- of each round. Uh, so I played uh, Roland Chang in round one. Uh, Roland was on Grixis Delver. Uh, the big play of that match was... Uh, uh, he had out uh, Pyromancer and uh, Deathrite Shaman. I cast Terminus. Uh, I brainstormed, cast Terminus. He put two Delvers down. I flipped the next card was Terminus as well, which I had just put two Terminuses on top of my deck, assuming that he was going to counter it, make a token, and then just keep rolling over me. But he didn't have the counters, so he slammed down two Delvers the next turn. I Terminus again. Pretty much just scooped after that, and then pretty much almost the same thing happened in the next game. So I feel like the Grixis Delver versus Miracle matchup, uh, Miracles is definitely like well suited to to play that matchup in 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 a situation where I'm playing in somebody who I I feel is 
at, at least as good as I am, if not slightly better with his deck. Uh, certainly better with Grixis Delver than I am with Miracles. I feel like M Miracles is, is a, a bit favored in that matchup, which is why I think playing Miracles right now is actually a pretty good idea. Um, that said, uh, so then we moved on to Tim Akpinar, uh, playing Sneak and Show, and that's a matchup I don't feel really, uh, confident about with, with Miracles. You just don't have the, like, threat density of, or the, the, like, protection density of, like, Days, uh, Spell Pierce, uh, you know, all, all those cards that you would normally get in a Delver deck, you just don't play in Miracles. So, the Sneak and Show deck is sort of, uh, a little bit more heavily favored, uh, I think, in the match. Then I played Phil. Um, mm -hmm. Phil got me, uh, and then I played, uh, Dustin. Dustin was on Tesserator, and I made a, the, a, a giant mistake of siding in, uh, Blood Moons, which I also didn't see, but his deck's just so full of mana rocks and stuff, it was a totally useless sideboard card anyhow. Yeah, um, I, I, I was playing Blood Moon deck for a while, that Black Red deck was a Blood Moon deck, and I was siding him out against, like, Storm. Yeah. You know? It's yeah, like, they have like, well, Yeah, you know? it doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, I went one and three and, and left. Uh, I left feeling good about miracles based on almost every one of my matches was was three games aside from the one that I won. Um, and I felt like you know uh, had had I played a little bit better or uh, I had better draws, I would have been able to to um, turn those losses into wins uh, with a little bit you know with a little bit more knowledge of what the deck does. Um, but yeah, I, I I took a cab home after that. <laughs> it's hard to play, I think. Yeah. Phil, uh, how did you how did you do? Just a quick sort of rundown of what you played. Yeah, so I the matchups that I played, uh, the only ones that were primarily interesting were our round three, where I mean, because that matchup is always super interesting. Um, I ended up top eighting the event, but I didn't think I was because going into the last round, I had uh, I needed breakers to fall my way, and I had a winning in, but I'm playing you know, 49 color pile. Yeah. And I play against, um, uh, oh, why am I, I'm blanking on his name, but he was playing 12 moon. Just playing Tony, 12 was one. it Tony or Tony? Tony. Yeah. He was, Tony Loman. So I'm playing against <laughs> Tony and he just has the 12 blood moon deck. Uh, but was interesting is I didn't know what he was on going into the matchup. And he and Tim went out to get food between rounds. They come back 10 minutes late, so Tony had a game loss. Oh, God. Classic and so Tony. then we, right. he gets to be on the play for game two and immediately, like, just sticks a blood a blood sun on, like, turn one. That's Zach's blood sun, by the way. <laughs> it is. And uh, so, so redemption. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my. And he, like, proceeds to beat me down with Magus of the Moon that game. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, gotcha. I have a winning in plus a free win in the match and I'm just going to lose to 12, like the worst possible matchup. Yeah. It's not a good match. Like, let me play all these colors against 12 blood moons. Um, and then game three, I ended up just stealing it because I got to thought sees his one blood moon. And then his deck just continues to draw clunky blood moon copies. Yeah. And at a certain point you just get to hold up hydro blast and beat him down. So yeah. Um, sees just like won that game on turn one. Uh, if I would, re I would not recommend playing a 12 blood moon deck just because you're so linear. You don't have really many options other than hoping your blood moon's going to work, but ended up top eighting, uh, snuck into eighth, won myself a scrub land. And, uh, I think legacy is great. <laughs> great. Well, I think that was cool. I'm hoping I can, uh, we can all be in the same room. I think, uh, you and I, Phil will be at star city 
Worcester in yeah, a couple you, weeks. What are you thinking of playing? Well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk about this Hollow One deck I've been playing. So, um, Zach, I went back and listened to our review episodes for Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation. Oh man! And because Amonkhet had Flame Blade Adapt, which I was in love with, that's it's basically a Swift Spear, but when you discard a card instead of Prowess. Um, and and then in, we did so we talked about it. You were like, "Yeah, oh, this is probably bad." I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna try it anyway." I I hadn't gotten around to it. Um, then I listened to our Hour of Devastation review. We did not review Hollow One. I don't think <laughs> we didn't even mention it. Nope. But it was taken the world by storm, and um, I was sort of just like interested in the modern deck and how it was working. Um, and I and the the card that I really wanted to play with it though was Firestorm. I just think Firestorm yeah. is, Firestorm is a sweet old it's a sweet old border card, and that's what Legacy is about, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I drafted a couple lists, um, and then I was watching the Pro Tour when it was just like you know the Hollow Ones were getting like crazy. Uh, this is the modern Pro Tour. And then uh, Jerry Thompson made the files with Mardu Pyromancer, which I was like, uh, I don't own. So I, I basically was like, if I'm doing this in Legacy, I'm going to use Firestorm, I'm going to use Basking Root Wall, I'm going to play Vengevine. I don't own a lot of those cards, though. <laughs> so I was like, well, I own all these Mardu Pyromancer cards. So I played that for a couple weeks. Like, I ported that to Legacy, and it was good against the blue decks, but not good against any other deck. Like, you would just get ranched by, like, any deck that didn't play Brainstorm, which sounds weird. But, like, I couldn't beat lands, I couldn't beat Death and Taxes. You know, so I was kind of like a little despondent because I really wanted the Mardu deck to work, but um, it didn't. So I was like, eh, whatever. And I threw up a bat signal on our Utah Eternal Magic group. Does anyone have four Vengevines, four Basking Root Walla? I like a two Mind Break Trap because that was what I, that was like my plan. So I got people to lend me a bunch of cards that I needed and we're go, we'll post a list in the show notes, but it's kind of close. It's a red green Hollow One Vengevine deck uh, with Faithless Looting, Firestorm, uh, Insolent Neonate, Flame Blade Adept, uh, Hollow One Vengevine, Basket Rootwalla, um, Street Wraith, Hooting Mandrills, and then lots of Burn, Lightning Bolt, Sudden Shock. So I've decided to play Sudden Shock uh, so I could kill Deathrite Shaman without it responding by removing my Vengevines. Um, and I. Check. Yeah, it's tech, right? <laughs> big, old, big old tech alert right there. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're we're, we're going to hot take and say that that card is a hot take. Yeah, that, that card is sweet. Sudden Shock is super good, and it was good for me. Um, and then I played a small Life in the Loan package with Barbarian Ring um, uh, and two Cycle Lands. And the idea behind the loan was that you're discarding your a bunch of cards from your hand. Loan will let you refill your hand with lands. Yeah. And then you could refill your hand, cast more Faithless Lootings or Firestorms or whatever. Um, without having to discard the cards you actually want. I'm not messing around with any of these random discard cards. I just don't think... I mean, I could see Burning Inquiry because it hits both players and is only one mana being, like, okay in Legacy. I'm not tapping two mana to cast Goblin War. You know, it's just yeah. like... Yeah. I don't think being up a card is as good as just, like, nuking their entire board with Firestorm. Like, you know, and then dropping, like, Hollow One. Yeah, and I almost think that Burning Inquiry would actually be uh worse in your legacy build than it is in modern just because in modern you get like blood gast and the phoenix and like all these things that you're cool with going to the yard where like in yours is pretty much what basking root wall and vengevine uh basking root wall of vengevine 
and oh, I have like loam and lands, which are okay to go to the yard. But oh, no, that's sure. that's definitely right. And the reason, you know, the thing is too, like Legacy has Deathrite Shaman, and you need to be able to kill Deathrite Shaman. Like I can't be like just discarding into the graveyard willy nilly. You know, <laughs> like there's Deathrite, there's like a there's surgicals everywhere in Legacy, right? So you want to be able to uh, manage what you're doing and being able to bolt stuff. Anyway, so I took it for a spin online um, before I played it, and I three two to league, which was pretty fun. Um, I, I've definitely lost a storm. So I had like four pyrostatic pillar, two mind break trap. That was, that was, that was the best I could do. And it was not good enough to beat storm. <laughs> they, just, they probe you, they see what's in your hand and then the game's over. Um, but then I beat a couple of the blue decks, which, you know, it is kind of hard for these decks to just deal with eight power on turn one. Um, I lost to one of the blue decks. I just had uh, some sort of poor draws. And then I won my last round against, um, I think it was, I think it was like yet another, I'm sort of just lumping all the like blue death, right? Brainstorm mid rangey decks together, um, which may not be right, but that's sort of what I figured it would be good against. Um, so three and two, and then we, we assemble the deck and it's hastily assembled at, at the, uh, at our, at the table last night. Um, I have a bit of a reputation here for playing like dumb brews and getting on stream because of it. So like the call over, okay, okay, you're gonna be on the stream. Um, and in the first game, I played against um, Check Pile with Risefall. Um, he's like playing on the heavy Planeswalker build that maybe you guys have seen with Dak Fade In, um, Punishing Fire, and this Rise and Risefall. Yeah. So I like play a flame blade. I, my opening hand was actually pretty slow. It was like a flame blade adept, but it was I had bolt and sudden shock, and um, I think I had faithless looting, and so I just kept it. And the reason was like he's gonna. Play, I know he's gonna play deathrite shaman and planeswalker, so I wanted the burn. Uh, like I wanted to make sure I had burn in my hand so that I wasn't get taken by surprise. So I kind of like play an adept on turn one. He plays. He like ponders. Then it's back to me and like faithless looting and an attack for three. Then he like I forget exactly what he did. I don't think he played. I think he just like played a land and passed. Um, and then I played a land and passed, or you know, cycled the street wraith and attacked. So then on his third turn, he like fetches and casts fall, targeting me. Uh, so I I have two bolts, two basking rootwalla, and a sudden shock in my hand. Like, okay, bolt upstairs, take three, bolt upstairs, take three, rise, fall, resolves. He goes to discard my two cards. He picks both the root wallas, <laughs> leaves me with a sudden shock, plays a deathrite shaman. I untap, kill the deathrite shaman with a sudden shock and attack. <laughs> oh my god. So so that was that was that was like the first game of this like stupid deck on stream. It was pretty funny. So I won that game. I won the second game and just I think the second game. And it was interesting too. So in the second game, uh he, I, I had like a turn one double, it was a turn one or two double hollow one with Vengevine. Um, and so I attacked for four with Vengevine. Then on his turn, I don't know if he killed one. Or, it must have been, been on turn two that I had that because he played a Dak Faden and stole one of my hollow ones. That's less good. But I drew the, my one of roast. So I was able to roast my own hollow one and then attack Dak. <laughs> uh, so... I got lucky, but you know that was still pretty funny. Roast so instead of dismember, huh? Yeah, I don't really think uh, street wraith and stuff. I don't think I can. Oh sure. Yeah, street wraith, lots of fetch lands, taking hits. You have to firestorm yourself sometimes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you, you have to. 
up that fire yeah. count by targeting yourself and all of your creatures <laughs> and your opponent for seven. I just yeah, want to point out that you ha- you said you hastily put this deck together, but you don't hastily find yourself on roast. You thought about this. <laughs> you, you put in some time. Well, there's a difference between hastily assembling the deck and, and thinking about it for like three days beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Because I was sort of like having a hung over that I was going to actually try and play it in paper. And uh, I finally was just like, I, I can't play this this black red deck again. I'm going to do this. So I did that. Um, so then game uh, round two was against um, a Blood Moon deck, was against 12 Moons. Um, but, you know, he kind of had some bad mulligan luck where he had to mulligan. And, and your um, deck is red. Did, my deck is red and has a basic forest. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. So that was pretty. He had rekindling Phoenix though. That was pretty sweet to see that card get in play. That's a relatively new card, standard all star. Um. So that was two zero. And then um, I played against uh, a more standard check pile build. One game one. Uh. But then I flooded out super bad in games two and three, um, and lost. And then in my Fourth round, the same thing happened. I was playing against Food Chain, and I was like, all right, I just need to sort of win before they can tap three lands. And I just flooded out really bad. So I think um, I like the deck. I, I Like, <laughs> it's somewhere in between that, like, fair and unfair, you know. Yeah. It's on that spectrum where I don't, is it a, I don't know if it's a fair deck or an unfair deck. Like, if it's, like, you're sort of all in, but you're not really all in. Yeah, it's hard to call it an unfair deck when, like, you're putting four fours into play when other unfair decks are like, I've got a 7-7 seven, seven lifelink, you know? But when you're putting so many of them into play so so reliably, and your opponent's generally not countering, like, you, you know, a uh, Faithless Looting. And that's the card that actually uh, gets them a lot of times. Quiet. No. Um, yeah, that's another problem. Once people figured out that like Faithless Looting was the best card in my deck, uh, I, I had started having trouble. Um, I did have a situation where, because um, so like uh, I was playing online, I won the first game. It was against Grixis Delver. He played an underground sea and pass, and I was like, well, he's gonna counter this Faithless Looting with Spell Pierce. So I ran into his Spell Pierce, but then uh, I, on the next turn, was able to double fire like Firestorm him and me. And cycle Street Wraith and cast three Hollow Ones against oh. his. So he like forced the first Hollow One, and then the other two came and out, and he just conceded because <laughs> he had like one card in hand. Oh my um, god! But th- that's the thing. Like, is that fair? Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, it seems more than fair to me. <laughs> um, what do you yeah. think, Phil? Uh, I think that you get to have those types of plays because you also resorted yourself to playing three taigas and legacy and if you play three taigas and legacy i think you deserve those kinds of busted turns yeah i hope I, I think so too but and also i think it, like i i think it would be interesting to see with like more if you took like the time to tune this deck a little bit more and be like yeah this deck is specifically there to like beat up on blue decks i mean i think having a reasonable a reasonable way to just always beat all of like the fair blue decks is a good way to go into a tournament. As long as you are like super heavily boarded for the matchups that you struggle against, like fast combo. Yeah. I think that my tuning is good. I'm going to try splashing blue into it so I can play careful study. Um, and then I can play force and fluster storm on the board. I, I just think like the faithless looting is really the straw that stirs a drink. It was always the card I wanted to draw. It was always the card I wanted to cast. 
and just adding faithless lootings five six and maybe seven eight would just be the thing to do how far um, into blue do you think you'll get because at a certain point if you're going way into blue and need to up your blue count for force of will i start looking at prized amalgam and then all of a sudden don't know what's going on anymore and maybe break well it's hapless hapless breakthrough you know it's my dream to cast breakthrough in this deck like um no uh hapless researcher instead of insolent neonate that gets you four blue cards um and you can play is that charm which is also redundancy on the faithless looting effect plus removal for death right plus uh a somewhat relevant counter spell yeah yeah so i'm uh, that's where i'm that's where i'm thinking i haven't i haven't gotten that far yet it's been i had a kind of a busy day so i hadn't got a chance to retune it but i will say this though we're gonna we're gonna hot take this one if uh, we can get up to a hundred bucks in Patreon donations in the next week, I will play this deck at Star City Worcester. Flying all the way out from Utah to play to play Halloween <laughs> in Worcester. Yes, though, uh, Phil, do you have Vengevines? <laughs> I don't have Vengevines, <laughs> but you have already put the the premise that you're going to play this deck at Worcester potentially out into the ether, so it's out there. So yeah, well, I guess I'll. I to find some Venge Vines, yeah. I'm sure. I, well, <laughs> I am 100% confident that if any of the guys that are running that event get word that you're slamming Hollow One and Venge Vine in Legacy, you're going to get on camera immediately and stay on camera until you lose. Yeah, that's what happened last night. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, it's fun though. It's, it's like it's something different to do. I've been sort of like, you know, just looking for like a new engine that's fun. The, the Faithless Looting Bedlam Reveler engine. I thought was pretty good. Um, I just like Zach would say, Zach, you said like you played six Grixis Delver matchups in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, six. And everyone talks about how like Magic Online just all these Grixis matchups. I tried to play this black red deck. I'm like, all right, we're gonna smoke all the Grixis decks. And uh, I played against like in order Black Red Reanimator, Manalist Dredge, um, Storm, which I won, and then like Death and Taxes, which I lost too. So you can't win them all, but. I think this deck is a little bit more fun that it would be worth the payoff to to run it more often. Plus, Vengevine's sweet. Vengevine is sweet. And I think if you can find the right configuration of like the number of creatures that you need to play to like effectively get them to turn on, then we are doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Phil, what are you going to play in Worcester? Or so do you I'm, not want to say on the internet? No, no. I, I'm, I'm debating between three decks. Uh, I'm debating for Miracles, just because it's the thing that I have the most experience with, and I know the matchups. Uh, the reasons why I wouldn't play it is I don't feel like... I feel like it's still missing one point of power. Like, I feel like it's still missing on the... Like, I don't feel like it's, like it's as powerful as the other decks that you could be playing. Uh, specifically yeah. because I think Counterbalance is too varied now. Since you don't have top and you still play counterbalance, you're reliant on counterbalance in a lot of matchups, but you're also blind flipping way more often. Uh, Zach, tell me if you've like been running encountering that. Yeah, I, I felt like there were times where I cast cast counterbalance and it just meant nothing, and then there were times where I cast counterbalance and it was just like, woo! You know, like I there were there were a couple times where I cast counterbalance and my opponent's like, and I'll cast Jace, and I'm like, let me flip over top card and see what happens. Oh my God, Jace, you're gonna lose. There's a Jace yeah. on top of my deck, and I free cat yeah. countered your Jace. <laughs> yeah, it's times like that where I go, okay, counterbalance is good as long as it hits at least one spell, because then at least you traded yeah, one for a one. Yeah. card. 
but the thing is, is that I find that I would play counterbalance and sometimes it would be an all-star. Sometimes it would be a do nothing. And that type of effect isn't something that I want in my control deck. So I'm leaning towards miracles for comfort, but against it on power level. The other deck that I would play is check pile. Uh, my only problem with check pile is that you're kind of priced into playing diabolic edict. And let me tell you, diabolic edict is not good. Uh, but you don't have things to deal with true name or really fat creatures like Gurmag Angler. So you need to play it. The thing is, is that you always have to work really hard for it to be effective. And uh, yeah. it's just like, there's a lot of matchups where, you know, if they want to fight with you on the axis of we're going to play attrition, then pile is going to be good. But I think like the show and tell matchup is awful. I think, I think that like the deck has a lot of issues with essentially consistency across its across its matchups, you know. Yeah. Um, but Leovold is a house, a total house. And if I could, I would just bring eight Leos to the tournament and call it a day. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then the other thing, the other deck that I'm considering is uh, an Esper Mentor deck that just essentially streamlines the power of Monastery Mentor. Plays four Mentor, four Probe, four Therapy, like that whole thing. Um, I'm not sold on the Stoneforge Mystics. It was a deck that did do well. Uh, it top eight a major event. Yeah, top eight at Eternal Weekend. That's it. Yep. Um, I don't think the Stoneforge Mystics are good. Uh, and that's primarily because I don't think Stoneforge Mystic is set up well in Legacy at the moment if you're not playing Death and Taxes. It is the best card in Death and Taxes right it's now. It's the though. best card in Death and Taxes. <laughs> and I think it's just the worst everywhere, worst everywhere else. Yeah, because unfortunately. Your Stoneforge Mystics are always going to be worse than D&T Stoneforge Mystics. And at a certain point, if you want to be playing Stoneforge Mystic and not in D&T, I don't think the Mentor deck is for you. I think you want to be playing that 4X True Name Nemesis deck. So yeah. I am off the Stoneforge Mystics. I'm still figuring out what to put in those slots, but it's between those three decks. It's probably going to be Pile, but we'll see. Myth, yeah, Myth, I would... Myth Realized is the card to put in there. Hot take! <laughs> Myth Realized is sweet. Actually, you can play Myth Realize with Diabolic or uh, Innocent Blood. Hey, um, so I'm I'm on the same thing as you. If I don't play my the deck that I want to play for fun, um, I'll probably play. I will probably just play like a Bug Leovold deck. Um, I will probably play either Traverse the Elvenwald or Green Sun Zenith because I'm a nutcase. I also just don't want to lose to Blood Moon, so I cannot bring myself to play Check Pile ever. Yeah. Like it's just it's just a thing. Like I don't ever want to go. Like people are smart, and Blood Moon is good. Like it's it's. When I was playing that black-red deck, it was the best thing I could be doing. Like, Jerry Thompson, like, he figured it out in Modern, and I just put it into Legacy, and it did it did exactly the same thing. Like, Blood Moon hits the table, the game's over for a lot of these these mid-rangey decks. Um, if I don't play one of, one of those two decks, I'll be playing Esper Mentor, probably. I have the Charter Course deck that I've been talking about on and off. I think that that's probably the best deck I can play. Mm. Um, I just don't know about the raw power level. Um, sometimes you get in a, in a bit of a bind, but, um, I also like mentor, like mentor is fun as we were talking about before the call started, like mentor is sweet. So why not do it? The other thing I noticed about mentor too, is that for miracles, I found that the only really, really crazy, stupid busted thing that miracles has is mentor. Uh, yeah. and some versions play the mentors only in the side. And that makes sense to me because otherwise it's a lightning rod, but Miracles really needs that like boost in power level, and Mentor gets it done. So yeah, you just need a way to close out games, and right now the Miracles deck doesn't have that. So you, you, sometimes you're you're 
you're winning, but you're like, oh, I sure would like to be done with this game so that I can, you know, not die to something stupid. Especially if you're playing as a co- like a combo deck like Show and Tell or or uh, or Storm, you just like need to finish the game so that they don't beat you on accident um, after you <laughs> after you've gained control. So yeah. yeah, I feel like the mentor, the, not having access to mentor right now in the same way we used to with uh with uh divining top, is is one of the real detriments of of the miracles deck. There is one thing I want to circle back to uh with the miracles deck too though, uh, Phil, when you're talking about counterbalance. Yep. Um, there's a non-zero amount of value that you get from from having counterbalance in play just by knowing what's on top of your deck due to having predicts as well. That's a lot of times I cast uh. Uh, what's called a counterbalance just to see what the top card of my deck was so that I could like gain some value out of it. Yeah, I I fully agree with that point. Uh, and I actually think that that specific interaction is also a reason to be playing unexpectedly absent. Yeah. I know a, a lot of people, uh, most stock lists that I see have moved over to Council's Judgment just because it's a surefire way to deal with anything permanently and it doesn't target, so it has no issues hitting literally anything in the format. Uh, I would be playing too unexpectedly absent specifically because of its interaction with predict and being able to like Jace fate seal a threat or something like that. I think there's value to it. Uh, And there are also times where if you're playing it with counterbalance, there are not too many uh, rare occurrences of you being able to unexpectedly absent your own stuff to hit their things with counterbalance. Making it sort of a weird one for two counterspell, but but you know if you're well, putting a Snapcaster Mage back on top of your deck, that's not the worst. I was gonna say there's like the specific instance where it's like if you put a Snapcaster back on top. Uh, I've specifically left um, uh, Search for Ascanta on the table and then was able to unexpectedly absent to counter their two drop, which yes it sets you back, but essentially functioned as a counterspell. Yeah. Um, for white white which is interesting. I don't know, I think there's a lot of applications to it, and I think you're right that knowing the top card of your deck more often is obviously better for you. So, yeah, Counterbalance definitely still has that value to it. Um, yeah. Well, guys, I, I had to sign off, so uh, I don't know yeah, if you guys want to keep going, I think, but it was I good. I think that might be, might be it for us. Phil, do you have anything else you want to bring up this week? Uh, I just want to let everybody know that I think uh, $100 is so low for the value that you're going to get watching <laughs> Hallowed One on camera in Legacy for like nine hours. So let's make it happen. That's that's uh, patreon.com slash eternal dirtles, everybody. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Have a good one, guys. Later. Where does he get those wonderful toys?